Hello ninjas and ninjets and welcome to another episode of the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. My name is Tim Cameron Kitchen, I'm the host and head ninja at Exposure Ninja. I'm also UK's best-selling digital marketing author. This show is all about helping you to generate more leads and sales from your website. And in this episode, I'm very happy to be joined by Lee Cockerell. Now, Lee is a living legend. The guy was executive vice president for all of Disney World operations. I got him into the show too. I had some questions about Disney and their marketing funnel. So Lee was executive vice president between 1997 and 2006. So we talk a bit about the marketing process that they use to drive people to the resorts and in particular their lead generation through TV advertising. Um, but I couldn't pass up the opportunity to get Lee on the show without asking him about leadership because leadership is what Lee is known for. And at, during his time at Disney, he was in charge of a cast of 40,000 people. So he knows a little bit about leadership. So we ask him all sorts of stuff about how to develop leaders and um, how you kind of train for leadership and how much of it is nature versus nurture. So loads of stuff which is maybe not typical digital marketing podcast territory, but I hope you find it useful because this is stuff that impacts all of us every single day. Everything we do as marketers is effectively leadership. We're trying to lead our audience. Um, so Lee's insight into these areas, I think, is, is super useful. Anyway, let me know what you think of the show. Tweet at Exposure Ninja. Love to get some feedback on this stuff. Enjoy the show and go to ExposureNinja.com forward slash podcast for show notes. Lee, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Good to be with you. So you started, or, or the thing that you're most known for, I guess, is your time working at Disney. How, how did you get started at Disney and, and where did that lead to? Well, I got started in the hotel business back when I got out of the army back in 1965 and worked for Hilton eight years. And then I joined Marriott for 17 years. And then I got recruited by Disney in 1990 to go to... Uh, Disneyland Paris to be in charge of all the food and beverage operations there, which I had a deep background in food. And I did that. And uh, three years later, I got sent back to Orlando and I was in charge of the operations here for about 10 years. And then I retired. <laughs> <laughs> and now you do podcasts. <laughs> now I do podcasts. And I didn't even know what a podcast was till a guy called me one day and said, you want to do a podcast? I said, I have no idea what that is. And uh, I said, I'll do it as long as you do all the work. I'll just talk. And so that's how we do it. <laughs> That's a great strategy in life, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I really want to ask you, I mean, obviously this is a marketing show, so I want, I want to ask you some questions about the marketing um, for Disneyland Paris. I remember we, we never got to go when we were kids. So our parents were too tight, but um, I distinctly remember the, the Disney ads, the kids asleep in bed, very excited about going to Disney. And then at the end of the advert, there was always a call to action. And the call to action was to get a video, to request a video. And this seemed really unusual at the time because most ads for travel was just, you know, call to book or even no call to action at all, expecting people to go to a travel agent. So why did Disney decide to do this kind of two-step sales process rather than just driving people straight to a sales team? Well, you know, I think Disney's famous for storytelling. So uh, with the opportunity to send that video to your house and have your kids look at it with a lot of fantasy and <laughs> a lot of uh, very exciting music and colors and that really got, uh, you know, I always tell people, if you can get the kids excited, mom and dad will cave in eventually. So uh, <laughs> that's it. it's, a, it's a matter of reaching people emotionally and making sure that they, you know, there was nobody back in those days that wouldn't pop that into their machine and play it. 
and the kids loved it. And we heard from some people, the kids play it over and over and over and over again. And every time they see it, they decide there's something else they want to do at Disney. So they, mom and dad have to call up and spend more money. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah. So you're kind of creating a Disney salespeople inside the family, I guess. Absolutely. I mean, children, you know, they, they ask for what they want and, uh, they're not bashful. Yeah, we've just I've just uh we've just had our first. He's he's one month old and he's already very good at asking for what he wants. Oh um, yeah. There's more to come. Was there anything else that you guys tried regarding marketing? Did you try driving people straight to travel agents or Disney Direct and settled on the video or was this just a home run straight away? Yeah, you know, the video was just a one thing that came along before that. It was commercials and it recommended you either call our call center where we have 2,000 operators taking reservations and they're quite expert in the product or to call a uh, your travel agent. There are many travel agents today around the world that specialize in Disney vacations. And sometimes they know more about vacations than I did. I mean, they, they've been there, they've been with their families, they've been there m- numerous times. And so in your hometown, if you know somebody and they're a travel agent and they're very knowledgeable, a lot of people like to do that and Disney promoted that also. And uh, yeah, television, magazines, you know, today, obviously, the internet is just full of uh, promotions for coming up on your screen about Disney and the movies and products and all those kinds of things. So uh, I think as time changes, you change ways, probably not not sending any videos anymore. If anything, in the future, we'd be sending a link Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and you could you can look at it. But back in the day, you had to actually produce those things and mail them out. And you can imagine what what a job that was and the cost cost of putting everything in the mail but disney keeps up with all the latest ways to think about promotion advertising commercials uh, reaching people in many many ways Uh, it seems to be working because we had another record year here in orlando that's awesome and you mentioned they're using third party so travel agents and, and stuff like that and i noticed that today if you search for disney holidays You've got Disney itself competing with all of these third-party sellers. In a market like that, where you're actually competing against other people that are that are also selling the product, yeah. how do you balance between creating so much competition that you can't sell? You know, you, you don't get too many of those leads yourself, and and also just making a larger market. Well, I I think that uh, you can't deny travel agents are out there. I mean, the airlines are using all these agencies to sell airline tickets and. And uh, really, we do 52 million people a year. There seems to be plenty of business for everybody. And uh, a lot of people will only book with the person they've known. That person may be booking their travel for the last 10 or 15 years, and they feel safe with them, and they feel comfortable, and they trust them. And so there's people that do that, and there's people that call the 800 number at Disney and uh, book there. So it's, uh, I think today you got to be on all platforms. Because people get their information in different ways. Young people get it differently. Older people get it differently. Newspaper, magazines, television. So you got to be where the guests are getting their communication. Sure. I guess you don't get to 52 million people a year without tracking and, and monitoring the numbers very closely. A lot of the marketing channels that you just said, newspapers, magazines, TV, they're kind of synonymous with untracked, just brand visibility advertising. 
How closely was Disney tracking the numbers? Like when you ran an ad, did you monitor how many people are requesting videos and then what percentage of those guys are turning into sales? Oh yeah. I mean, obviously we we try to we try to track everything we can to see what conversion rate is because uh, if you're not getting the right conversion rate, you probably got the wrong commercial and you don't have the right information if people don't feel like they're getting everything they want to know when that video shows up. So, you know, using codes on offerings from the newspaper so we can tell when they call in with that code or they go online and use that code that they, we know where that came from. So, sure. I mean, I think today every company in the world, unfortunately, is tracking too much. You know, I mean, <laughs> they probably know what time you wake up in the morning. But it, it, this technology is uh, it's exciting and a little scary at the same time. I see, you know, Facebook's going through that right now of people thinking you got too much information about me. Yeah, it really feels like the last couple of weeks have, there's been a big shift in public perception, I think, with with Facebook and Google and the amount of data that they have on us. Uh, it really feels like the tide's turning and in a couple months time, this, this could look quite different. I, I think. think it will. Absolutely. Because it's being misused. And uh, in the UK or in the EU with this GDPR regulation, I don't know how much... Uh, how much you guys have, have, have heard about that, but it's, it's a real big shift on how data is processed and analyzed. And yeah, a lot of, a lot of companies are, are working very hard to be compliant. So it could be very interesting. Oh, well, yeah. I think as individuals, we don't even know half the time of what we've opted in for. You know, we just kind of punch, punch the button. The next thing we know, we've given them everything about us. The small print is hard to understand. Very true indeed. Um, I know this is the digital marketing podcast, but I couldn't pass up the opportunity to, to talk to you about leadership. One of your legacies at Disney, one of your well-known legacies is the Disney Great Leader Strategies. Perhaps you could tell us a bit about what that program was designed to accomplish. Well, I was with Disney and I was put in charge of all the operations and slowly but surely I got frustrated because I didn't think, you know, we had 7,000 managers in Orlando and I was frustrated. I didn't think everybody understood clearly what uh, the expectations were for being a manager, for being a leader what we expected them to do, not do. And uh, so I worked with a consultant. She came to my house every Sunday and I would talk to her about what I wished the managers would do better, the mistakes I made in my own career, things I should have done differently, how I should have spent more time out in the operations. And I just went on and on. It took us about a year and we ended up with a, uh, a document called Disney Great Leader Strategies. And we, we slowly but surely rolled that out to all the managers at Disney over about six months and sat with them and explained it to them because we wanted everybody on the same page. I ended up saying, it's kind of like the recipe book. If you got the right recipe, the, the food comes out right. If you don't have the right recipe and you want to make it the same every time. So that's uh, we did a good job over time. We got everybody on the same page of what leadership means and what management means and what our expectations are for performance. Because at the end of the day, that uh, ends up being how the guest gets a great experience. We want consistency. And uh, so that's how I did it. And I had a lot of mistakes I'd made in my own career, which I could put in there. <laughs> so, you know, when you're old, you know everything. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. A lot of our listeners are fast growing businesses and they will have had to have learned quite quickly how to scale high performance, whether it's in a sales team or delivery, customer service side, or, or indeed leadership. It, it seems like maybe leadership is one of the most challenging aspects of a business to create and manage at scale. And it's probably one of the areas that we don't get as right as we could. In, in your perspective, how much of great leadership is nature versus nurture? 
Oh, I absolutely believe that you can uh, learn to be a good leader. Uh, I mean, I was an introverted, uh, good manager when I started out my career. I didn't even know what the word leadership meant. Uh, I was good at getting things done, but I wasn't very good at getting people inspired and people f- trusting me and feeling good about working for me. And I was just commanding people to do this and that. And I, I made a slow change over time. And I found out you got to be a good manager and a good leader. So people want to do the job instead of have to do it because you're watching them. And I want them to do the job when I go home at night and I'm in bed and they're not worried about uh, getting in trouble and uh, that they're treated right and trained right and treat all those things. And so over time, I think anybody can learn it if you get into the right environment. I always tell young people, get get with a good company that has good leadership when you first get out of college, because you'll learn the right things. And after five years, if you don't like it, leave. And then you've got that learning. They've trained you. You've learned how to do it right and uh, how to be a good leader, how to be a good manager. So, you know, it's kind of like being a parent. We got good parents and we got bad parents. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, if you had if you had good parents, you probably are a good parent. And if you didn't, so we're worried about the past and where people came from. So we just wanted to be clear with them about uh, expectations. And I think two things happen: when you're more clear, you get more, and when you ask for more, you get more. And uh, leaders and businesses and owners have got to be clear about what their expectations are, what they want, what their standards are, and hold people accountable for that. That's the name of the game. Your people are your brand. At the end of the day, the people are the what customer remembers. That travel agent that really took good care of you or the travel agent who did not. And uh, we all think about people when you know, when you think about Disney, you think about the people. When you think about a good restaurant you go to, you think about the people, how they take care of you there. So it's an concept everybody's you know everything matters that's what i think if you want to be great everything matters you've got to be on top of everything if you want to be average you don't have to work so hard so <laughs> for people for business owners perhaps who are who are considering hiring their first proper leadership positions in the company what are some of the tips you have for them if anyone can learn to become a good leader surely we must be able to to find people who are at least part of the way there. Oh, absolutely. There are. There are a lot of great ones out there. I would say the one thing is most people don't know how to interview and they don't know how to ask the right questions and they don't know what to listen for so they can understand. So I work with a lady called, her name is Carol Quinn. People can look her up on the internet if they want to. Carol Quinn, she's done a lot of work around interviewing and hiring. I've been working with her for eight or nine years now. She has a great system in place. She's developed the questions you ask and how to listen for them. And that you, when you interview, say you're interviewing five people for the same job, you interview one at, one at a time, you ask them the exact same six or seven questions in the same order, and you listen to their responses. And every question has an obstacle in it. You want to learn how people handle obstacles because that's what leaders have to do every day. It'll be very clear to you at the end of talking to five people which one's the right one. I mean, it's an amazing process. And uh, she wrote a book called, I think it's called, uh, Don't Hire Anybody Without Me. She's right. I learned so much from her because we usually, the person interviewing doesn't have a clue what they're doing. They ask a bunch of nonsensical questions that doesn't tell you anything. The people tell you what they they know you want to hear. <laughs> and uh, then we hire them and then <laughs> their interview is better than their, than their performance. So... Uh, yeah, it's there. It's uh, there's a way to get ahead of that, and I would any of your listeners ought to go online look at her stuff. She's got a little book. I think it's ten bucks, and you can read it, and it'll change your ideas about how to find the right people, because great people are harder to find. 
I mean, obviously, there's less great people than there are average people. And we hire too many of the average ones. We hire too fast and we fire too slow. And then we get in trouble. So I read that at one point you were in charge of, I don't know if this is right, forty a team of 40,000 across the 20 parks that you were yeah. leader of? I had four, yeah, right? in Orlando, I had 40,000 cast members and 5,000 managers that reported to me, up, up to me somewhere. <laughs> But I had I had about a half a dozen people reported directly to me, and they were great. I didn't know anything, but they knew everything, so I was in good shape. <laughs> so, so the law of averages would say that there's got to be a hell of a lot of average in that pile of forty thousand somehow, right? How how do we how do we incentivize and encourage consistent high performance amongst you know a broad spectrum of, of abilities? Or was Disney so? Um, selective in its hiring that actually there was no average. In well, of course, there are average people that show up and turn up and become average. Even They might have been great before, but then they got a health problem or a medical problem or they've got a marriage problem or some problem in their life. We do hire better. I would say the three things we do is we hire them right, we train them right, and we treat them right. And those three things, we train, we test you, and we enforce the training. I mean, we don't play around. So you go to training, you learn it, then we test you to see if you learned it, and then we enforce it, that there's only one way to do things at the Disney way. And every one of your listeners ought to have their way. And they ought to be crystal clear with people. This is the way we do it here. And as I say, you don't have to be happy to work at Disney. You got to act happy for eight hours. And, uh, you know, Disney's the happiest place on earth or else. (laughs) You got to be more clear with people what you want. If they don't want to work there, they need to go somewhere else. So we can have a bit of a template for modeling the Disney way, what what are those non-negotiables? So always being happy or always acting happy. What are some of the other Disney way milestones? Yeah, I mean, for 100% sure, you got to go out and be nice to the guests. I mean, that there's no, you you got to be focused on them. You can't take your cell phones with you out on when you go to out to work. You leave them in your locker. You, uh, you go out of your way to look for guests that are having problems and you go to them. You don't wait for them to fun- come to you. Um, cleanliness, friendliness are the basics at Disney. Cleanliness and friendliness. And and uh, I would say the other thing is expertise, knowing what you're talking about. So we have highly trained employees. So they have the right information. They know how to do their jobs. They know how to keep it safe. Uh, those kind of things. And, uh, and then, uh, obviously, we're always looking for efficiency because we want to improve the bottom line. But, uh yeah. Uh, the chances you're running into a rude cast member at Disney World is pretty low because we don't we don't put up with that nonsense. It's like a play. We're putting on a Broadway performance. You got a role in the show and you better do it properly or you won't be in the show. <laughs> so I love it. I love it. I'm getting a sense of Disney that I've ne- I've never had before. There's like a it's like Mickey Mouse, but he's he's he means his he means business. He's not messing around at all, is he? Yeah, he's like my mother. She was a terrorist before they had him in the world, so <laughs> All right, final final two questions around around leadership for you, Lee. Firstly, th- there are going to be listeners who they might not have leader in their job title. They might have had no formal training in leadership. So we get a lot of marketing managers listening, for example. But every day they have to perform little bits of leadership. So whether it's driving a marketing campaign or getting team or another team to buy into their idea. So Let's imagine that one of these people is about to go into a meeting where they're going to need a bit of leadership chops, a bit of a bit of uh, a Disney sparkle, I guess. 
What's the quick pep talk you give them about how to get the most out of that meeting and how to lead effectively in a very short period of time? Well, I would say the most important thing all of us need is leadership's not a title. It's a responsibility and it's influence. And I would tell them, if you want to have influence, you got to absolutely 100% better than anybody else know what you're talking about. And you got to be able to sell the audience. You go in there and you know the answer to every question and you know your stuff and you lay it out there and you're positive and you're, and uh, people, gosh, when you finish, people say, well, gosh, we got to do this. This guy knows what he's talking about because, you know, the difference between people who know what they're talking about and people who fake it, it's very obvious. We learned that very quick. So don't underestimate your influence. I would say influence is probably 80% of any presentation. Do you have influence? Do people Mm -hmm. consider you an expert? Uh, Do you have a good reputation for getting things done? Is your work well? And that's all. Somebody asked me, how can you be successful in life? I say, be better than everybody else. And uh, that means getting to work early, getting your work done, attention to detail, uh, getting into that meeting on time, laying it out, uh, being able to answer questions. Absolutely. Uh, And everybody's a leader. You know, you Leadership's about influence, frankly. And boy, listen, in marketing, it's about influence. And if you got the right plan and people trust you, they'll do what you say, including the customers. Final question, Lee. What's the biggest lesson, the most important lesson that you've taken around leadership in your life? To remember that everyone's important, frankly. Treat everybody respectfully, no matter where they're from, what color they are, background, religion, disability whatever. Just treat everybody respectfully. And uh, everybody, you know, I tried to create a culture where everybody matters and they know they matter. And the way you make sure people matter is you treat them right. You you are available for them. You train them. You help them get interviews. You help them get ahead in their career. And when you do that one thing, everything else works out pretty well when people are supporting you. And until you're committed to your people, they will not be committed to you. And you've got to decide that you can't push people around. People, everybody matters. You know, I want, you know, I want leaders to treat their people the way that I would want my children treated if they went to work for that company. How would you want your, what kind of boss would you want your children to have? And that's the kind of bosses I want out there that are looking after the people and the people will look after the business. That's such a good model. I, uh, it reminds me of a quote, treat everyone as everyone you meet as the most important person in the world because to that person they are. Absolutely. Lee, where can people find out more information about you and follow your wisdom on leadership and marketing? (laughs) They can go to my website, leecockerell.com, and everything's on there. I have a podcast, comes out every Tuesday morning on leadership, management, and customer service. It's only 15 minutes, so you can listen to it uh, on the tube. You can listen to it uh, when you're mowing your grass or washing dishes. And uh, all my books, my speeches, everything I do is on my website, leecockerell.com, and that's where you can find me. And if you on there, you can find my phone number, my address, and my uh, uh, telephone number and email. So I'm easy to get a hold of. When people call me, I answer the phone. People ask me why. I said, I book more business that way. <laughs> answer the phone. Love it, love it. <laughs> Be available for your customers. Awesome. Lee, we'll link up the website in the show notes. Thank you so much for spending the time with us today. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. 